Welcome back everyone, my name is Sam. And I'm Melissa. I grew up in the FLDS community. It is a polygamous group run by Warren Jeffs, and I moved out when I was 18 years old. I was raised LDS, Sam and I have been married for almost nine years, have two beautiful kiddos, and now this channel, our mission is to create compassion for communities that have been marginalized and abused by their leaders, and to empower those who have left by giving them a platform to share their stories with the world. Yes, and thank you all for being here. The best way to support us is through liking, subscribing, and sharing our videos. Thank you all so much for your support. Today we're going to be covering a documentary on YouTube that is that is titled Three Wives, One Husband, right? Yes. I got that little, right? Okay. Yes. It's a little bit older of a video. We've actually watched this like a long time ago. So this we did, uh, we rewatched it kind of as a refresher course on some things and we're excited to share it because it gives a lot of insight to just fundamental Mormonism in general. Yes. It's a much smaller group in Utah. And they are fundamentalist Mormons, is what they call themselves, but definitely smaller, about a hundred people. At the time that this was filmed anyway, there was about a hundred people there, a part of this religion. Yes, it's called the Rockland Ranch Group, mm -hmm. and they literally like blew out the side of a mountain to be able to like create their homes in the rock. It's so interesting. It looks like part of their home goes underneath the rock. And then the another big part of it is sticking outside of the rock, but you'll just you have to watch it. It's hard to explain, but very interesting way to go about building a house, I would say. Yeah, definitely. So we wanted to react. We'll start with just the first episode, mostly because there's a lot of terminology and some things that we want to explain as to why the Rockland Ranch group is the way they are. Some of the comparisons between the FLDS and this group as different fundamentalist mm -hmm. groups and just kind of what it means to be a fundamentalist because as Sam and I were watching this, we're like, I wonder how many people watch this and think they hear the term fundamentalist Mormons so often and so we want to shed a light on a couple of things that make all of these fundamentalist groups the same. Yes, and this one's unique because it originated the same place that the FLDS originated and the LDS. So they all kind of came from the beginnings of the uh, Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints that was uh, restored by Joseph Smith and then there has just been so many breakoffs since that time. Now we'll have to talk a little bit more about when they broke off but uh, I think that's a little different than the FLDS but we'll get into that. Yes, so again this is called the Rockland Ranch Group and they said their origins started with Bob Foster. He was inspired to live polygamy and they said it was about 40 years ago. Mm. Again this document's a little older so I'm guessing in the 80s sometime about and he just received inspiration that he was supposed to live the law of polygamy. Now people are probably wondering why polygamy in general tends to continue to be a subject with fundamental Mormonism, right? Anytime you hear of a fundamentalist Mormon, it is almost always accompanied with polygamy, which it does have in common with the FLDS. Yes, exactly. And that's one of the biggest things that sets the fundamentalists apart from the mainstream LDS church today is that polygamy. That's one of the main reasons. And then of course, as they have split off these different groups, they've changed their ways a little bit as well. The mainstream LDS church has become a little bit more progressive, so in that way there are some definite changes, but but they seem to all be similar. All the fundamentalist groups seem to be very, very similar because they're holding on to the original teachings from the original prophets of the church. Yes, and the FLDS, they split off right when the manifesto was signed in 1890. Um, a manifesto was signed from the LDS church saying, we no longer practice polygamy. They had a second manifesto years later 
later because people weren't quite stopping. Uh, but you know, by the early 1900s, polygamy in the mainstream LDS or Mormon church ended. And Sam's great-great-grandfather was one of the people who split off and said, no, we're still supposed to practice it. So this group is different in the fact that they didn't split off you know, in 1909, they split off in the 1980s. So years and years later from mainstream Mormonism or the LDS church, they split off because Bob Foster felt inspired to. And like Sam said, it's about a hundred people. It's a very small group. I think they said it's 10 families. Yeah. So definitely very, very small. And I believe this documentary only follows like two, maybe three families. So it's not really showing everyone's life, but it gives a very interesting and good insight into this group, who they are and what they believe. Yeah, at one point, the, the family, they're interviewing the wives, this one particular husband and his two wives, and he is courting another woman, deciding whether or not that was going to become his third wife. So a couple differentiations there. In the FLDS, the prophet chooses who is going to be married. They don't get to court. They don't get to date. They don't get to decide their spouses at all. So in this case, they did get to, and he's getting to court or date this girl while he is married to the other women. Yes, and to be clear, the FLDS wasn't always that strict on the prophet deciding exactly who you're supposed to marry and when. That became a bigger, more popular thing with the Jeffs. Uh, I know that it was starting to turn that way even before the Jeffs took, took over, but way back before I was born, it seemed like there was a little bit more of this ability to date and choose or at least ask if it's okay that you marry certain people from the leaders. Yeah, so the fact that they get to date is one thing that I was like, whoa, that's way different than the FLDS. Also, I cannot imagine as a married woman watching my husband date somebody else. I was like, I can't even, it was hard for me to watch because as some of the other wives, they were being, I feel like, pretty candid about their emotions, about how it was very hard for them to watch their husband date someone else. The second wife, did you notice it was a lot harder for her, yeah. where the first wife had already had a second wife come in, and so it seemed easier for the first wife to accept the idea of a third because she'd already been through it once, right. but the second wife was like definitely struggling with there it. There were multiple pause moments, like, whoa, what? And <laughs> pause the show, what's going on? Let's talk about this. One of those pause moments was the, it was the first wife to this man, his name was Enoch. The first wife actually, at least according to the show, confronted Enoch and said, I feel that we should bring another wife into the family. So that was one of the moments that I said, oh, oh, it was the wife that suggested this. That's interesting. But you have to remember that it was taught by the original leaders of the church that polygamy was a necessity. So if the wife believed that as well, then maybe she felt the need to live that way. Yeah, it was very interesting. I was thinking, there is no way I would be yeah. down for that. But the wives did mention multiple times, both wives talked about the fact that living the law of plural marriage, they believed wasn't supposed to be easy, that it was meant to be hard, and it was meant to be a test for them to be able to put something else above themselves, to basically prove themselves and their beliefs that they be their belief in the law of plural marriage was more important than their beliefs about what they wanted themselves or their, their personal feelings. Right. And so I thought that was interesting. Every time they would get jealous or they would talk about jealousy, they would pull back and say, but this is helping me learn to be less selfish and I need to think of the greater cause and the greater good. And I feel like that's similar in the FLDS. 
they say it is keep sweet, mm -hmm. right? Like you're meant to just be happy, suffer through it because it's not meant to be easy. This life is meant to be hard. It's meant to be a trial. And if they endure to the end through that, they'll be super blessed on the right. other side. It seems to be a common thing, at least in my experience in religion, that trials and difficulties, you're supposed to look at them as a blessing. And in, I'll just speak for the FLDS. In the FLDS, it was very a very easy way to tr twist the, the, the hardships and the difficulties that some of these women had to endure, and the men as well, but especially the women, and make it look like, oh, this is just how life is supposed to be. In fact, in fact, this it'll be better for you in the end if you endure these trials. Yeah. So it's just very interesting how that's kind of twisted to make them feel like they're not really supposed to have a good, easy, happy life. It's supposed to be difficult. It's supposed to be hard. Yeah, well, Enoch was courting this 25-year-old girl who's much younger than him, and she came from polygamous roots as well. Like, her grandfather was a polygamist, and she was talking about, well, first of all, I think it's very interesting, and we do have to note the fact that she was the nanny. Because this was a pause Another moment pause for me, moment. because I paused and I was like, the nanny, it's the nanny, like why? I just think it's interesting that the next wife had to be the nanny. It wasn't like a vision came to Enoch and he saw a woman and, the, and her name was given to him and said, you should seek out this woman and this is to be your next wife. No, it was the nanny. I feel surprise, like it's so cliche. Surprise. I don't know if that's cliche, I feel like. This is how these small groups, these fundamentalist groups are going to twist it. They're going to say, well, God didn't need to come to me in a vision and say, this is who you are to marry. He sent her to my home. So therefore, you know, he just, he knew this is who I was supposed to be with or that I should at least was supposed, uh, that I was supposed to court or date and he sent her to my home, that way I would be introduced to her. So, of course, they're going to twist it that way to make it seem like it was God's plan from the beginning. Yeah, and she obviously had an understanding of plural marriage from her family ties to it. She did say, also, she understood like that it was supposed to be hard because she also said, it's hard, but nothing great ever comes easy. So definitely that mentality of the plural marriage is meant to be hard. It's meant to be a struggle, yeah. um, marriage in general. But she did say too, and I thought this was an interesting quote, she said, but if you want to change the world, what a better way than to become the mother of nations. That was another pause moment that we yes. got. Wow. Okay. So, and that's kind of where it comes, the idea of... First of all, having lots of children comes from. That's kind of your purpose, to be the mother of lots of children, to the mother of nations. And then, of course, it goes beyond that to the next life, that uh, people believe that they will be able to populate and have a, an entire planet and become gods and goddesses. Uh, so that's uh, it's, it just goes to show their perspective and the importance of family and large families to them right from the beginning. Yeah, and I kind of want to piggyback off of that. The fact that at one point, I think it was Enoch, was talking about the fact that you can't become a god without polygamy. So, lightly scratching on this, and we'll have to do another video on the belief in being able to become a god within Mormonism in general. But within fundamental Mormonism, the reason that people, you'll hear that with polygamous groups, um, Brigham Young is quoted in the Journal of Discourses, and I'll just read it straight from the Journal of Discourses by Brigham Young. And it is in chapter 11, page 269, for those of you who want to see, maybe I'll reference it above or something. 
but it says, quote, the only men who become gods, even the sons of God, are those who enter into polygamy. Others attain unto a glory and may even be permitted to come into the presence of the Father and the Son, but they cannot reign as kings in glory. So if you want to become a god, which is the ultimate goal of anybody within Mormonism, is to become like God. Um, that's what we believe the whole purpose of life is to become like God. And so in order to do that, Brigham Young said, you do have to practice polygamy. And so again, that goes back to the fundamental roots. That's why a lot of people, when they go back and they start looking at the teachings of Joseph Smith and Brigham Young and the things that were said by those prophets, who they believe were prophets of God being spoken to by God, when they read these type of quotes, that's how people end up believing and breaking off into groups that practice polygamy. Mm -hmm. It's very common. I need to look up this number, but there's a lot and a lot and a lot of shoot-offs and break-offs oh, from yeah. the mainstream LDF church, and most of them come back to these same quotes from Brigham Young and Doctrine and Covenants 132, which is still part of Mormonism's canon scripture, talking about the importance of polygamy. So... All that being said, if people are like, why every time someone breaks off from the LDS and the LDS don't practice polygamy, you know, people say over and over, like, the LDS don't practice polygamy, and they do not. The mainstream no longer practices polygamy. Right. But that is why they are the source of all of these polygamous offshoots, Just, even though they don't. They take it back to the beginning. And Joseph Smith, Brigham Young, and John Taylor, the, those were the three prophets that... Uh, the first three prophets. The first three prophets of the church. And the, the FLDS, for example, as well as this uh, Rockland Ranch group, it sounds like, quote and use scriptures from the, the first three prophets a lot. Uh, this scripture that Melissa just read was from the Journal of Discourses, written by Brigham Young, was a scripture that was often referred to from the FLDS as well on teaching their people why polygamy is so important and why it is the celestial law, as they would call it. So... It was definitely a scripture that I heard of a lot as well growing up, and not surprising. Yeah, but anyway, I just wanted to shed a little bit of light on the history of that and why they were saying, well, you can't become a king without it. You can't become a god without polygamy. And why these women also, when they say mother of nations, they believe, and I think it was in one of Enoch's family scenes where he was preaching to his family, was talking about the fact that to become like God also means that they are going to populate their own worlds. Right. And so women believe that if they are in these polygamous relationships, then they are going to be the mothers of another world at some point, And they're going to have children that go to an earth-like planet as well. And so it's kind of this cycle. So if they're going to become a mother of not just nations by having lots of kids here, but also in the next life, they are going to be the mother, a heavenly mother of those nations and all of those spirits as well. Right. Yes. So it runs a lot deeper than just wanting a lot of kids running around here. There's a there's a definite like you say, a deepness to the to the meaning behind it for these women and the man, of course. But something that stood out to me was the connection that these wives seemed to build and have. Uh, even even when he was courting the uh, the what's her name again? The, the younger, the, the Lydia, the, I think. The Lydia, to be the third, uh, at least in the first episode. It was interesting to see the connection that these women were building. 
and they were just it seemed like such a strong connection of course there were the jealousy moments and when they would see one of the wives leaving with the husband then they would have a hard time seeing that but the women to the women together seemed to bond really well and have a really strong connection which was just something interesting that i saw yeah do you feel like the mothers in the flds had the same type of connection that you saw at rockland ranch i think so especially when because in my home there were four wives and four mothers and a lot of times the four mothers were in the home while my father was out working or away and so they were always together always working together uh, helping and you know just keeping the house together and all the children and all the children keeping everyone alive so it seemed that they because they were around around each other so much all with the same purpose and trying to accomplish the same things they did build a very strong connection from what i saw well you got to think they spend way more time with one another than what they do with their husband true so yeah. it kind of makes sense that they would grow bonds as long as they got along you hear of some sister wives that do not get along at all mm -hmm. i think amanda ray's mothers did not get along at all and would like barely even speak so it definitely can depend on the family but and i will say there were moments even i noticed as a young boy growing up there were moments where there were there was a definite divide and there was a, uh, a i guess a little bit of contention between the wives and a lot of that came about because they wanted their children to act a little bit differently like maybe they had two different teaching ways like the, they thought their children needed to be certain ways and act a certain way and one of the mothers disagreed and so there was that contention sometimes in the house because we all lived together you know there wasn't there wasn't a different section of the house for one of the mothers and her children all of the all of the children together we just grew up in one big happy family well, mostly happy <laughs> and it seemed like the very first family that we were following in this documentary as well it seemed like they all lived in the same area but the next family that they followed still in the same community he had, it was almost like apartments, an apartment building kind of, where his three wives, and they had their separate spaces completely with their children, and right. then the fathers would go from home to home. Although the first ones did say, oh, father's going to be splitting his time between three homes instead of two. So maybe they were split, and we just didn't see their separate houses. Mm -hmm. but it seemed like they would be. They would be. Mm -hmm. So Sam grew up differently, where they were all under one home, so I can only imagine that would intensify... Any type of feelings like that if you're around each other all the time. Mm. Although the second family, I felt bad for like the third wife was in charge of taking care of everybody's children while the other wives went away and worked. And I was like, that would be hard to be like, I don't want to say to feel like the babysitter, but in a situation where you grew up where all the mothers were mothering together, mm -hmm. you could feel that cohesiveness. But in this case, watching her were like, the moms go to work and then she has all of their children are her responsibility all the time i feel like without any help would be exhausting that was something that happened in the flds as well though we there were those mothers that worked in the community and uh back when even some that would work outside of the community and the children would stay in the home and the other mothers would be responsible in for taking care of those children so it did happen sometimes as well but these mothers were used to being around the children all the time because they all lived in the same house. That's true. That, so would that a was a little bit different. Yes. Yeah, because if it's like their kids are just being sent over to be watched is different than you being around more all like, the time. It would feel more like they're just dropping them off to be babysat yeah. as opposed to 
Then all right, your children. the family's in the house, one of the mothers has to leave to work, all the children stay behind, the other mothers. Another thing too to keep in mind is when I was growing up, I had a lot of older sisters that helped babysit and helped with the children and, and stuff around the house as well. So like You have to when you have like 25 kids at home right. at a time. <laughs> yeah, so that was something that definitely made it easier for the mothers. Yeah. yeah. Another thing that I thought was really interesting is the first family as well. They had a family vote about the marriage to the new wife, and he often referred to it as the family would be getting married to her, which was a lot different as well oh, to see. That was different, way different than I experienced. Yeah, the idea, oh, should we propose to her? Should we invite her into our family? I don't know, like they showed one little clip of like one of the little boys kept saying no, and they kept showing clips of him saying no, 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 until he said yes. Mm -hmm. And so that to me, I was like, that's a little disingenuous. If you, I don't know if that was just for the show. It was probably the only part where I really felt like I'm like, okay, is this all to make it look like everybody gets a say when at the end of the day, there really isn't much say because you're just going to convince everybody that there's only one right choice. Yeah, and I don't e know. Enoch's second wife also shared some concerns about it, some jealousy and some things that she didn't feel quite a hundred percent about but it was and, still gonna happen and when the rest of the family raised their hand saying yes i want this she didn't raise her hand i noticed so that's but it, it didn't change the fact that he was still going to propose to exactly her. it didn't seem like it changed his mind about it which maybe the show just skipped the conversation that they had afterward i don't know for sure that's that's the difficult thing about shows is you never know how much is yeah. how much you're missing. You just try to make the best of it. And and I just forgot to mention how it was for me in case you were wondering. Yeah. It was very different. It was in fact I well, two of or sorry, three of the mothers were already in the home when I was born. So I didn't get to experience what it was like for those three coming into the home. But the fourth mother coming to the home, we had no idea who she even was until after her and father were married. And then he brought her home after getting married to her and introduced her to the family. So it was very different. It was more of a, hey, this is the way it's going to be. You are now all expected to accept it and be okay with it. And there but, wasn't a big wedding ceremony. All of these, they seemed like they had weddings. They had big wedding ceremonies. Yeah. The girls got to pick out wedding dresses, yeah. all those things. That felt yes, it was not like that. So it seems like the way that the Rockland Ranch ran things was more similar to the way it was way back during the time of the first four or five prophets of the church. So it changed a lot after that within the FLDS. We are excited for these next couple episodes. Obviously, like I said, they seem pretty candid about jealousy and stuff like that. It ended this episode with the fact that Lydia decided that she needed a break and that they weren't going to move forward with courtship and marriage. And so that's kind of where it left off with the first episode. Mm. But we will definitely bring you the rest. I think there's three more episodes. We'll just turn that into two episodes and podcasts for you for next week. But we want to cover all of these and hopefully give continue to give more insight onto why they do what they do. If you'd like to hear more of what it was like for Sam to grow up in polygamy or more content like this where we're reacting and hopefully sharing a little bit more insight into these polygamous groups or any small religious groups, honestly, then please like and subscribe. And if you'd like to donate to our cause, there is a link below to our website and to donor box for that. And thank you so much. Yes, thank you all for being here. We look forward to seeing you soon. Talk to you soon.